Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, it's the start of Christmas season. It's hard to believe that we are at that time, we are at that stage where Christmas is actually right around the corner. Uh, I know for many of you, it's time to start the uh, shopping, the annual traditions of family uh, stuff that happens around Christmas. We just finished Thanksgiving, and I'm hoping that all of you had a wonderful time this Thanksgiving season. I've noticed that there's been an attack upon Thanksgiving. I don't know if you saw that or you caught that on on some different uh, news shows or podcasts or, or uh, things that are happening in the world, but there's been an attack on what Thanksgiving is. Did you know that Thanksgiving really is a religious holiday? The purpose of Thanksgiving is being thankful and being grateful for what the Lord has done. The original Thanksgiving was about gathering together, giving thanks to the Lord, the goodness of what God had provided, the harvest that he gave, the rains that he provided, the way that he, uh, that he uh, saw them through the times that they were in. And that's the purpose of gathering for us as well. It's a time to focus on being grateful and thankful for all that the Lord has done. You may not feel like uh, there's a lot to be thankful thankful for in your life, but there's always something that you can be thankful for as you approach God. It reminded me um, of what our family tradition is, is just going around and sh- sharing what it is that we are thankful about, but it reminded me of a story that I'd heard about a Sunday school class of 10-year-olds, and the teacher had asked the 10-year-old class, what is it that you're thankful for? One little girl said she was thankful for her bedroom. She had her own bedroom. She didn't have to share a bedroom like her brothers had to share. So she was very thankful for that. Another little boy said he was very thankful for puppies. Uh, The puppy that he had gotten a year ago because he just loves this puppy and it's a wonderful part of his life. Another little boy she had come to said uh, to him, little Tommy, what are you thankful for? And he said, well, I'm thankful for my glasses. And she said, you're thankful for your glasses? That's an interesting thing to be thankful for. He said, yeah, not only can I see, but my glasses keep the other little boys in class from hitting me, and it keeps the girls from kissing me. So I'm really happy and thankful about the glasses that I have. You can always be thankful for something. In fact, it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about every, uh, anything, but with everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, that's a heart of gratitude. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, for all All things are for your sake so that the grace that is spreading through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So there's a giving of thanks that happens. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, for your lives. So be grateful, be thankful for all that God has done, for the ways that God has blessed. Even if you don't feel like there's things to be thankful for, you can always find something to have gratitude. And it's the way that we approach God. A lack of gratitude is often a self-focus in our own lives. A gratitude or a grateful heart is turning the focus off of me onto who God is, praising and glorifying him. 
Well, today we are in our series of messages. This is the ninth week in this series of messages called God Is. Now, this series of messages, the purpose of it has been to get to know God in a deeper, more profound way. Not just that we know details about God, but God wants us to know him intimately, that we have an intimate relationship with him. Following Jesus is not a religion. There is nothing religious about this. It's all about this relationship that we have with the creator of the universe where we can know him with our heart, our mind, our souls, and our spirits. God says this in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. He wants you to personally know him. Not just know about him, but know him deeply, intimately, and personally. And that's been the purpose of this series, to get to know him in a profound way. And we have been able to cover the names of God. Now, I, for one have been tremendously blessed to go through this series. I have known the names of God, but I've never poured a lot of time into studying the names of God. And as I've studied the names of God, it has just opened up my heart and my spirit just uh, in that connection with him, in that relationship with him. And I hope it's the same for you. We have gotten to know him as Elohim, that's creator. We've gotten to know him as Yahweh, the promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God. The I am, the great I am. We've got to know him as Adonai, which is master and ruler, which is what he wants to be over our lives. Not just content to be a passenger in your car, but wants to be the Lord and the ruler, the master and the, uh, the really the driver of our lives. Um, he wants to be the El Shaddai, the mighty, almighty, immovable God who's also caring and loving and, uh, and wants us to be dependent upon him. We've gotten to know him as Yahweh Yireh, the God who sees and the God who provides. We've seen him as Yahweh Nissi, the Lord is our banner. His banner flies over our lives. We've gotten to know him as Yahweh uh, Shalom, the God who is our peace. He's the one who gives us everything we need in life. Last week, we met him as Yahweh Sidkinu, which is the Lord is our righteousness. He is the one who provides a way that we can be righteous and able, therefore, to be in the presence of God. And today, we are going to meet him as the God who is the one who heals. Let's pray as we dive into this today. Father, I pray that we would understand your heart here today as we see that you are the God who heals. Lord, you desire healing in the innermost places of our souls. Lord, you desire not only physical healing when that is necessary, but more than that, Lord, you desire relational healing, mental healing, and ultimately spiritual healing. You desire to heal us in the innermost places from the innermost hurts and turmoils that we all carry. Lord, we all carry pain, we all carry hurt, we all carry wounds, but you are the God who wants to heal those, who wants to make us complete and whole. Help us today, Lord, to hear from you. May your Holy Spirit be in this place speaking to our hearts so that we can know that you are the God who is our healer. You are the God who is our Yahweh, Rapha. We thank you. We pray for your leading and your teaching. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
One of my favorite attributes about God is the fact that he is a God who is a healer. God looks at the brokenness of life. He looks at the wounds of life. He looks at where we are, and he wants to bring us to a point of healing. He wants to heal us from whatever it is that we are carrying with us. Many of us carry pain, and we have carried that pain for years and years. There's a common phrase in the world, and the phrase that is common in the world of healing is that time heals all wounds. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been around people for many years of life as a pastor, and I know people that are carrying with them pain that they have held on to for 30 and 40 years, 50 years of their life. The time has never healed those wounds. In fact, it's caused it to be worse. Time does not heal wounds. Time can cause and allow wounds to fester and become infected and really destroy me from the inside out. But it doesn't stop there, because wounds not only destroy me, they can also destroy everyone around me. They can destroy my family. It can be generational. The wounds that I carry can easily be passed on to my children and to my children's children. God wants to heal us and make us whole. Therefore, we can pass on health instead of unhealthiness as we go through life. God is a God who is a healer. He is our Yahweh, Rapha, in Hebrew. Where does this come from? Where does this idea come from? Well, it comes from the book of Exodus. The idea of God being a healer is all throughout Scripture. God has laid this out through Scripture that he wants to be a healer in our lives. But in particular, the name Yahweh, Rapha, comes from the book of Exodus. Exodus. It happens in Exodus chapter 15, and I want to share the story with you, and then I want to look at ways that you and I can enter into and receive the healing that God wants to provide to us. Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22, we find a story of the Israelites passing through and wandering through the wilderness. As they're wandering through the wilderness, they come to a place that has water. They're all very thirsty. They have not had any water, and they start drinking the water, but they find that the water is bitter. It is salty water. They cannot consume the water. So they're very upset, very angry as a result of this because of the bitter waters. Here's what the story says. Then Moses led Israel Israel onward from the Sea of Reeds. They went out into the wilderness of Shur, but they traveled three days in the wilderness. They found no water for three days. Can you imagine how thirsty you would feel after the time of wandering for three days in the wilderness without water? When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters, even though they found waters there because the waters were bitter. That means salty water. The waters were undrinkable. On account of this, it was called Marah because Marah means bitter. So the people complained to Moses, What are we going to drink? We're going to die out here. We can't keep going. We can't make it. There is no water. What are we going to do? So Moses cried out to the Lord, to Adonai. Now remember, anytime you see capital L-O-R-D or capital Adonai, it's a, really the word is Yahweh. So the Lord, so Moses cried out to Yahweh, the promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God, and Yahweh showed him a tree. When Moses threw the tree into the waters, they made the waters drinkable. They made them sweet. He said, 
God said to them, or I'm sorry, Moses said to the people, if you diligently listen to the voice of Adonai your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his mitzvot, that means his commands, that's the Hebrew word for law or commands, and keep all his decrees, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. And here's the word, for I am Adonai who heals you. This is the heart of God. God's heart is to bring healing to people who need it the most. You need healing in your life. I need healing in my life. There's multiple things that we need healing in. Some of us, we need physical healing. You're dealing with a problem in your life, and God needs to bring healing. Otherwise, it's not going to turn out well. There are times in our lives that we need emotional healing. There are people that carry with them addictions and depression, and they carry resentments and bitterness and anger and depression and anxiety, and they carry that with them, and they need to be healed. There are people that have relational healing that needs to happen. There are couples that are hurting, couples that are fighting, couples that are distant, and God needs to bring relational healing. Ultimately, though, we need spiritual healing. Because if we don't have spiritual healing, everything else is for naught. Everything else is not going to matter because we need to be healed spiritually so that we can be in the presence of God forever. But this is the heart of God. God's heart is, I want to heal people. It's why Jesus came, to bring healing and restoration to people who desperately needed it. Now, I want you to notice in the verse that I just read, there are four conditions that Moses shares with the people. Often we think of God being an unconditionally loving God, which he is. He offers freely his grace, but there are requirements on our part to receive what God has to offer. God doesn't just throw it out there. He requires some things of people. Look at what he requires in this verse. Moses says to them these words, if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, if you diligently listen, what does it mean to listen? Listen is different than the word hear. To hear just is to kind of hear background noise. To hear doesn't really require much understanding. It doesn't require much uh, attentiveness on the hearer's part. Listening is active. Listening is listening with intent to truly understand. God says, I want you to listen to me. Don't just uh, tune me out. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Do you listen Husbands, do you listen to your wives? Wives, could you answer that for me? Do they listen to you? I see a lot of wives looking at their husbands saying, you don't listen at all. We're called to listen actively, intently. God says, listen to me, listen to my voice. And then he says, notice what he says next. Do what is right in his eyes. Do you know what the word uh, do would be equivalent to? It would be obey. Do what I say. Listen to my voice and do what I say. Every parent wants those two things for their children. I I guarantee you. Are you listening to me? Okay, look at me. Listen to me. What did I just say to you? But it's not just listen. Do what I said. Why aren't you doing what I, I told you to do this? Why aren't you doing what I said? Every parent desires that. Listen to my voice. Do what I'm saying 
then he says this. He says, pay attention to his mitzvot. That is the commands of God. What does paying attention to that mean? It means the study of God's word. That's God's command. That's God's law. Listen to my voice. Do what I am telling you to do. Be in my word. Know my word. Study my word. Let my word invade into your soul. And then number four, he says this, and he says, and keep all his decrees. What is that? Don't quit. Don't give up. Persevere. Keep pressing forward. These are the things that God is expecting us to do. Listen to me. Do what I say. I, I want you to know my word. Pay attention to it. Keep my, keep my decrees. Persevere in this. Keep holding on fast to this. Do you know that the times in my life that have been the worst, the most down times in my life have been the times that I have not listened, I have not obeyed, I have not been in his word, and I have not kept pressing forward in him. And I bet all of you could say the same exact thing. The times in my life where it has been the biggest struggle, the times in my life where my marriage has been the worst, the times in my life where my joy has been lacking, the times in my life that I felt the most distant, most depressed, most anxiety-filled, the most angry, have been the times in my life where I haven't listened and done and paid attention and kept his word. Look what he gives us the promise when that happens. As a result of that, he says, I will be Adonai who heals you, or I will be Adonai Yahweh Rapha to you. Well, what does the word Rapha mean? The word Rapha, you're going to see it in the Bible in two different ways. You'll see Rapha or Rofi. Both of those ways are often used to translate the same word. What does it mean? What does Rapha or Rofi mean? Well, it means this. It means the Lord who heals but what does that exactly mean? What kind of healing is he talking about? What's the meaning behind his name? And the word Rapha or Rofi means to mend, to cure, to heal, to restore, to repair, to make whole. Often it is used of a physician. That's the purpose of a physician. God is the great physician. Jesus came as a physician to bring what? Restoration, mending, healing, repair, to make you whole. I've used this analogy before, so bear with me because I'll use it again. But the analogy is kind of like dumpster diving to me. Dumpster diving, you've all probably done that a time or two in your lives, that you are looking and throwing something away in the dumpster and you see something that catches your eye and you decide, I'm going to pull that out of the dumpster because that's usable, that's good stuff. I can't just let that be thrown away. You could take it, maybe you eBay it, maybe you, you use it at your house, maybe you sell it at a garage sale, maybe you give it away to some food, uh, or not food, but you wouldn't want to be pulling food out of the dumpster, but some clothing pantry of some kind, picture it like this, that there's a broken piece of furniture in the trash. And you look at that furniture and you think that could be restored. There is a tremendous amount of potential. Maybe it's a, it's a, a, a dresser you see in the dumpster and you realize, oh, that's good wood. And th there just needs to be a few repairs and that could be great. And so you pull it out of the dumpster 
And you look at it and you see things that are broken that need to be repaired, drawers that are not working right that need to be repaired. Maybe you take a sander and you start sanding off all of the old uh, thick layers of paint or layers of stain. You start sanding it down to the base wood. That sanding process, you get through all of that. You repair the drawers. You, you put a new coat of stain on it, varnish on it. And all of a sudden now, what somebody else looked at and said, this is garbage, you looked at it and you said, no, this is a treasure. You restored it and maybe you turned around and sold it or maybe you used it and it was a wonderful part in your house, a wonderful piece in your house. God is in the restoration process. The world may throw you metaphorically in the dumpster saying you are worthless and God comes along and says, no, you're not worthless. You're a treasure to me, but you need some work. You need some healing. You need some restoration. You need some repair. And so God starts the sanding process in your life. How fun is that to be sanded? It's painful. It's awful. But God is doing the sanding to remove all of the stuff. And he is repairing the drawers. He's repairing your drawers of life. And he repairs and he sands and he puts his name over you. He puts his stain, the stain of the blood of Christ over you and brings healing to your life. Where once the world would say, and you even maybe agreed with the world, I'm a piece of garbage, but now... God says, no, you're not garbage, you're a treasure because he has restored, he has brought healing, he has brought mending to your soul. That's the healer God. That's what it means to be healed. That God came sending his son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, came in the flesh to restore us, to heal us, to make us new. The heart of God is for people to have healing and restoration. God offers that to you. He offers that to us. He offers that to each one of us. He has offered for us to be able to receive and be able to tap into the healing that he wants to provide. And many of us have been running away from our wounds for so many years, and it's time for God to begin the sanding work, the healing work in our hearts so that we can finally be made whole. Well, I want to give you three things today of how to receive healing. How to put yourself in a position where God is able to heal you in a variety of ways. God wants to heal in a variety of ways, but how can you and I be in the position where he becomes the Yahweh Rapha in our lives, the God who heals? The first way is number one, you have to begin to look to the source of healing. Healing does not happen in any other means other than the Lord. Now, you can be cured from a disease. For example, you could be cured from cancer with modern medicine, but that's not the same as being healed. Healing is complete. Healing is full. Healing is only the work that God can do. Healing happens in a variety of areas of our lives, but healing is the work that is alone for God to accomplish. We have to look to him as the source. Not a self-help book, not a plan, not a program. Those can be helpful, 
but it's ultimately God who does the healing work in our souls. Let me give you an example of this. There's a story that was uh, well known. It was a story about a young girl. This young girl happened to be in Vietnam. This event happened on June 8th, 1972. It became one of the most famous pictures to come out of the Vietnam War. The picture is this picture of a little girl by the name of Fan Tai Kim Phuc. Little Kim was in a village on June 8th, 1972, when a napalm bomb was dropped on her village. It was full of innocent people. And as these innocent villagers were there, they were just uh, scorched with this napalm bomb. She ran screaming for her, from her village, completely naked as she ran. Her arms were outstretched in terror and fear and pain. The skin on her back was completely gone. If you looked at the scars, you would see that the skin it was just melted off of her back. She was running, screaming with the skin flapping from her legs and her arms as she was running, crying. And she was just screaming this statement over and over, non quay, non quay, which just was too hot, too hot. The doctors got her. They told the family that Kim would never survive. There's no way she's going to survive. Now, you see this girl running scared, but the backside was just scorched. They said there's no way she is going to possibly ever survive. However, after 14 months in the hospital, after 17 surgeries, she returned to her family. Despite her physical recovery, Kim was seldom free from pain, from nightmares, and from anger and bitterness. Later, she would tell the story, and she says these words in her story. The anger inside me was like a hatred high as a mountain, and my bitterness was black as old coffee. I hated my life. I hated all people who were normal because I was not normal. I wanted to die many times. Doctors helped me heal my wounds, but they could not heal my heart. See, many of us could identify with that statement. I may be well, but my heart is not. I want to kill myself. I don't want to live. I don't like who I am. I don't like anyone around me. I make destructive choices with my life. I have come to the point that I am just bitter, anger, angry, hatred on the inside all the time. Can you identify? Then Kim found a Bible while spending time in a library. It confused her because the Bible was different than her religion. Her brother-in-law had a friend who was a Christian, and her brother-in-law arranged a meeting with this friend for Kim. Kim came before this friend and had a whole list of questions from things that she wondered about as she was reading the Bible for herself. This friend arranged for Kim to visit a church during a Christmas service to which an altar call happened, and she realized at that moment that I desperately needed the Lord in my life. After 10 years of pain, that service became a turning point in her life. She said this, I could not wait to trust the Lord, Kim said. Jesus helped me learn 
to forgive my enemies, and I finally had some peace in my heart. About, I think it was about 16, 18 years later, Kim was an adult, and she was going around on a speaking tour about her experiences in Vietnam, her experiences of being burned so badly, her experiences of being so angry and filled with hatred and suicidal thoughts, and her experience of finding the Lord and how he healed her heart. Though her physical scars she would carry, her heart was completely set free. And she was going around speaking. Well, there was a pastor who was in a place called Bethany United Methodist Church in Percival, Virginia. And he had learned that Kim was going to speak at the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. He determined he needed to be there at this event. Why did this man need to be there for this event? This man's name was John Plummer. He needed to be there at the event because he is the one that ordered the strike on the village that the bomb dropped that caused all of this pain and suffering in her life. And he had carried the guilt of this for years. He was assured by the people who had given him the intelligence that the village was only filled with enemy. There was no innocent people there. And so trusting that, he dropped this only to find that it was not true in the least and it was tremendous amount of casualties that happened and pain that happened as a result of this. So he determined he needed to be there and he needed to meet Kim and he needed to ask Kim for, for forgiveness for what he had done. She spoke at that event and spoke at that meeting on all of the pain and all of the sorrow that she carried, all, on all of the anger and the hatred that she felt, and how God had set her free, and how she had found forgiveness in the Lord, and her life was brand new, and she had been healed. After the event, he came up and introduced himself, and he would say later that when he introduced herself to Kim and said, I am the one that ordered this. He was in tears and pain. He says this, she saw my grief, my pain, my sorrow. She held out her arms to me and embraced me. All I could say was, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, over and over and over again. At the same time, she just kept saying, it's all right, it's all right. I forgive, I forgive. I don't hold it against you, I forgive you. At that time, he had been healed from the wounds that he had been carrying from that time, the guilt that he had been carrying, the pain that he had been carrying, the same kind of freedom she felt earlier, he now felt because he had finally been forgiven. The heart of God is to bring healing to the innermost places. Now, we often focus on physical healing, and that's what you see some crazy preachers on TV even focused on physical healing. But that's not even what God is the most concerned about. He's concerned about healing your heart, healing your soul, healing your spirit. God is a God who is a healer, and we have to look to him as the source of healing. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3, it says, Bless Adonai, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. It says in Jeremiah 17, 4, Heal me, Adonai, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. 
Psalm 34, 18, Adonai is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The heart of God is to bring healing. He brings healing to our souls. Whether your healing is an addiction that you need to be healed from, whether it's grief that you're carrying that he needs to heal, whether it is anger and bitterness that you are holding on to that God needs to heal, whether it is abandonment or rejection or depression or broken relationships or physical illness, God is the God who heals. And whatever pain you carry, God brings you bring it to him and he will provide the healing for you. So that's number one. Look to him as the source of healing. Quickly, number two, I have to be willing to, at some point, leave my hurts behind. I want to share with you the story in the New Testament that Jesus gives, or that it gives about Jesus. Jesus, when he came on the scene, was about healing. Isaiah uh, 53, 5 is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. The prophecy says this. It says, but he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our shalom was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Now, that's not talking physical. It's talking about spiritual healing. By his stripes, we are spiritually healed so that we can have a relationship with God. We have the opportunity to be healed in other ways, though, as well. Now, here's a good example of this. It's found in a story that Jesus gives, a story about Jesus in the book of John. In John chapter 5, it's about Jesus going to a pool and a guy there who needed healing. So let's quickly look at this. After this, it says in the book of John, there was a Jewish feast and Yeshua went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, there is a pool by the sheep gate. In Hebrew, it's called Bethesda. In Aramaic, it's called Bethzatha, which has five porches. Bethesda, it means the house of mercy. In Aramaic, it means the place of poured water. Jesus went to this place and there was a man that was there. And in this place, there was five porches. In these, a crowd of invalids was laying around, and they were blind, they were lame, and they were disabled. Now, a certain man had been an invalid there for 38 years, seeing him lying there, knowing he had been that way a long time, Yeshua said to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Well, now this man is a representation of the question that is asked to all of us. Do you want to get well? The answer to that could be surprising. The man could have easily said, um, I kind of like being taken care of. People bring me stuff. People carry me here and then they carry me home. If I got well, I'd have to go to work. If I got well, I would have to get off of the government's dime. If I got well, then I'm going to have to provide for myself. So I don't really want to. He could have said, when he asked, do you want to get well? He could have said, well, yeah, but... I don't really want to do the work involved. Yeah, but I don't want to let go of what I've been holding on to. Yeah, but I don't want to have to look inside and deal with the things that are inside of me. I don't really want to go there, so I'm going to just stay where I'm at. That question is a question that's 
thrown out to all of us. If you want to get well, you've got to make the decision to get well. And when Jesus asks you the question, do you want to get well, you have to say, yes, I don't know how. Yes, I am willing to do whatever it takes. Yes, I will pour in whatever work I need to do. Yes, I will do my part. I want to get well. After the first of the year, we will mostly, all of us, many of us, I'm not going to say all of us, but many of us will do what we have done at the first of the year, every year of our lives, and we will decide it's time to go on a diet. How many of you are already planning for that day? I'm going on a diet after the first of the year. How's that working for everybody, by the way? Is that working good? It's not working for me at all. It works great for two weeks, and then it just kind of falls off. You know why? It's because you have to put in the work if you want the results to turn out the way that you want them to turn out. Do you want to get well? See, Jesus offers four kinds of healing to us. He offers physical healing. There's times that he does heal physically. Thanksgiving is a wonderful reminder of the healing work that God did in my, my wife's life through cancer, 20, I think it was 26 years ago uh, that that happened. It's a wonderful reminder. God healed her physically. Do you know that God didn't heal me physically on that day, but he healed me spiritually on that day? God heals physically. God heals emotionally. He wants to heal the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger, the resentment, the depression that is there. God also heals relationally. He wants to heal your relationships. But you can't just think it's going to just magically happen. You have to be willing to put in the work for the relationship to be healed. Mostly, he wants to heal spiritually. And spiritual healing is making my heart in a condition filled with the righteousness of God, that I can have an eternal relationship with him. That's the healing that he cares about first. And everything else happens secondary to that. Because when he heals me spiritually, he can heal my marriage. When he heals me spiritually, he can heal my depression and my anger and my resentment and my bitterness and my addictions. When he heals me spiritually, I'm in a place to receive physical healing, though it doesn't even matter to me as much. So we have to look to him as the source, and we have to leave our hurts behind. And number three, and finally, and we'll end with this, we have to lean on God's promises. I, I must lean on God's promises. If he is going to heal me, I have to lean on the promises that he offers. Go back to the story of Jesus and this man who is at this pool the invalid answered him, Sir, I have nobody to put me into the water when the water is stirred up. There was a, there was a false belief. It was based upon um, uh, underground releases of, of, of uh, gas that would come up out of this well. It would cause the waters to bubble. And so there was a superstitious belief that when the waters bubbled and churned, if I got in there quick enough, the first one in would be healed. So he says, I I'm not able to be there. I can't get myself into the water. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else steps down before me. Yeshua told him, you don't have to worry about that. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And immediately the man was healed. He took up his mat, and he started walking around. 
Healing is believing God's promises. When he says, I have saved you, you begin to walk in belief. When he says, I have healed that, you begin to walk in belief. You pick up your mat and you begin to walk. There's three ways that God heals. He heals through immediate healing. There's times that you may have experienced that, as a matter of fact. You may have prayed and it was an immediate answer and you were healed immediately from whatever it was. But then there's also delayed healing. There's times that God will delay his healing. Why? Because he wants us to learn through the process. There is something incredible about the journey that we have to go through in order to really understand the healing that God does. And then there is ultimate healing. Do you know what ultimate healing is? That is heaven. Heaven is ultimate healing. Where there are no more tears, there is no more sorrow, there is no more pain, that is ultimate healing that God wants to provide. I want to close with a story. And it was a story that was told by Tony Campolo. And some of you may know that name. You may have read some of his books. He was very popular in the 80s and the 90s. But he had, he had talked about a story, an experience that happened to him. And it's an incredible story, I think, because it shows the real healing that takes place. He was in a church in Oregon. As he was in this church in Oregon, he was asked to pray for a man who had cancer. So Campolo prayed for this man who had cancer, and he boldly pray, uh, prayed for this guy that this guy would be healed. He prayed for him, laid hands on him, called the elders of the church together, anointed him with oil. As it says in the book of James, they prayed for him, and he left the church. He was there just speaking, there just visiting, and so he went back to his home church. The next week, he got a call from the man's wife. She said, Tony, you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. Well, he heard the past tense word, had, and he immediately thought he was healed. That's amazing. He was healed after this prayer. Campolo thought that this was just an answer to God's prayer, but before he could think much more about it, she said to him, Two days ago, he died. He felt terrible. As a pastor, you don't want to see that happen. You want to see healing happen. That's what we want. I want healing. Two days later, he died, so he felt horrible. She continued her story. She said, but Tony, don't feel bad. When he came into church that Sunday that you prayed for him, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a short period of time, and he hated God. He was 58 years old. He wanted to see his children and his grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God. The more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. It was an awful thing to be in his presence. Then this lady told Tony Campolo this. After you prayed for him, a peace came over him and a joy came into him that I have not ever seen in him before. Tony, 
the last three days have been the best days of our lives. We've sung, we've laughed, we've read scripture, we prayed. Oh, they've been wonderful days. And I called to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing. And then she said something incredibly profound. She said, he wasn't cured, but he was healed. That's the healing God does. To heal you and I spiritually, mentally, relationally, and even physically. God is the God who heals. He is our Yahweh Rapha. The God who restores, the God who mends, the God who repairs, the God who brings healing to the innermost places of our souls. Today, you may need that kind of healing. You may need the kind of healing that says, God, I am carrying bitterness. I am carrying anger. I'm carrying unforgiveness. I'm carrying addictions. I'm carrying grief. I'm carrying a physical illness. I'm carrying a marriage that is badly in need of help. I'm carrying burdens, and I'm carrying hurts, and I'm carrying wounds, and I'm carrying pains. And Lord, I need you to heal my life. If that is your prayer, as we go to the Lord in prayer right now, I want you just to cry out to him. Say, God, heal me from the inside out. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you that you are the God who heals. You are our Yahweh Rapha, the God who brings healing to the innermost places of our hearts, our souls, our minds. Lord, there are many in this room and many even watching that have hurts and pains that they have carried for way too long. They have unforgiveness toward others. They have hurt and abandonment. They have rejection and pain. They have addictions and struggles. There's marriages that are a mess. There's people that are, their lives are just in turmoil. And Lord, we need you to be the Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals, the Lord who will heal us from the inside out. Father, I pray that you would do that work in our hearts. And for some, Lord, we, we may have a disease. We may never be cured of the disease, but we can be healed by you eternally. Father, thank you for being in this place. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you that you are our Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. As we leave this place, Lord, be with us. Help us to walk in your grace. Help us to trust you every step of the way. Go before us. Go beside us. Go above us, Lord, and help us as we follow you. We thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information.
Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.